Good evening, everyone. Thank you, Angela and Terry, for that wonderful song service. We're going to move into the next part of our program here. We're going to have a, a brief presentation here by myself, and then uh, we will move into Carol's presentation. The fabled fountain of youth lured ancient adventurers into a lifetime of fruitless searching. No one wants to get old, and for many, the search continues for some kind of magic potion to help us stay youthful as long as possible. Today, we want to talk, talk with you about how to be healthy by choice and not by chance. Aging is a gradual process that begins at conception and continues throughout life. In reality, old age is determined not merely by chronological age, but when diseases and disability limit our everyday tasks. Some people become old while still relatively young in years. On the other hand, others remain youthful, vibrant, and productive, even though well advanced in years. Many works of genius were accomplished late in life. For example, Michelangelo was 70 when he painted the Sistine Chapel. And Verdi composed one of his most famous operas at age 80. Premature aging and disability are largely the result of certain lifestyle factors. Habits such as smoking, alcohol, and caffeine consumption and the abuse of drugs can make people old before their time. In addition, a diet of rich, refined foods and a lack of exercise also accelerate aging. The scientific community has shown much interest in certain groups of people who possess better-than-average health and longevity. Prominent among these are the Seventh-day Adventists, considered by many as some of the healthiest people in the world. Study after study has found that Seventh-day Adventists throughout the world rank dramatically ahead of the rest of the population. With significantly less heart disease and cancer, this is of special interest since two-thirds of people in the Western countries die of these two diseases, and the National Cancer Institute states that 80% of cancer is potentially preventable with the best diet and lifestyle practices. Adventists have fewer hospitalizations, surgeries, and prescriptions. They suffer from less obesity, osteoporosis, and a multitude of other illnesses. If they do experience these diseases, it, usually, it is usually 10 years later than the average Westerner. Research conducted in the United States, the Netherlands, and Norway, and Poland has revealed that the life expectancy of Adventist women is two to five years longer than the rest of the population. In the case of Adventist men, their longevity is even greater, a full four to ten years longer than their peers. Over 250 research studies have reported on the health benefits experienced by the members of this church, made up of people from all different races and cultures. These studies consistently show that Adventists around the world live longer, healthier lives. The evidence is in, and it is overwhelming. Now the important question is, how do they do it? Are Seventh-day Adventists healthier by choice or by chance? Let's go back to the mid-1800s. At that time, when little was known about health or concerning the causes and prevention of disease, and when bloodletting to lower fevers was common practice, and drugging with poisonous pills and preparations like arsenic and merc mercury was considered standard medical practice. Seventh-day Adventists were choosing to follow health principles found in the Bible and in the inspired counsels of a godly woman named Ellen White. 
Ellen White was a prolific writer on the subject of health and a variety of other topics. Though written over a century ago, her teachings on healthful living are still valid today. When you look at the majority of the scientific studies conducted in the past 30 years, many of them now confirm her recommendations. Tobacco is one example. Around 1850, Ellen White began warning that tobacco is a poison, causing cancer, heart disease, and other health problems. Yet, as late as the 1950s, fully a century later, the American Medical Association advocated that tobacco's benefits outweighed its harms. So what brings the Adventist people the significant healthy benefits, health benefits we've mentioned? Their advantage seems to be directly related to how they live and how, they, how closely they follow the lifestyle principles gathered from the Bible and the counsels of Ellen G. White. It is evident that Seventh-day Adventists are healthier, not by chance, but by choice. While research shows a significant decrease of disease among all Adventists, those who most closely follow the conservative lifestyle achieve the greatest benefits. Heart disease is a good illustration. Worldwide, it is the number one killer in developed nations. When compared to other non-Adventist neighbors, Adventist men who include meat in their diet were found to experience 44% fewer deaths from heart disease. This is thought to be largely due to their being non-smokers, non-drinkers, and having somewhat of a healthier diet than the general population. Of greater significance, Seventh-day Adventist men eating a vegetarian diet, including the use of eggs and dairy products, were found to do even better, with 61% fewer disease deaths. But the healthiest of all were those vegetarians, who used no meat, fish, milk, or eggs. Compared to the general population, these were 86% less likely to die of heart disease. 86%. That's quite an advantage. However, this advantage is not limited just to heart disease and cancer. Adventist vegetarians between 30 and 50 years of age were found to have four times less risk of death from all causes as compared to those who eat meat. Do these advantages only take effect on the other end of life when you're old? Absolutely not. Studies have shown that the benefits are more marked in, young, in younger people. From the Adventist health studies, we've learned that our everyday lifestyle choices have a profound impact on both the quality and the length of our lives. Here's a summary of the major protective elements found in the Adventist lifestyles studies. Health-minded Seventh-day Adventists eat a plant-based diet chosen by our Creator as found in Genesis, a wide variety of fruits, vegetables, whole grains, beans, nuts, and seeds. This may be the single most important thing we can do for our health. Eating a diet high in fruits and vegetables adds an extra four to five years of life. Adventists get plenty of exercise in the open air. Participating regularly in moderate exercise adds three to four years of life. The Adventists who live longer also abstain from alcohol, caffeine, and illicit drugs. The toll these poisons take on our lives is a major tragedy that can be avoided. Don't smoke. One out of four smokers dies at an early, an early death because of smoking. These individuals lose an average of 21 years of life. Adventists maintain a healthy weight. 
being relatively lean, gives an extra three to four years of life. They are firm believers in the importance of trust in God for optimal physical, mental, and spiritual health. Science has demonstrated spiritually. Science has demonstrated that spiritually. Perf- excuse me. Science has demonstrated that spirituality profoundly improves the quality of life. God offers healing hope for all. An optimistic, positive attitude boosts the immune system, our body's defense against disease. Regular Bible study benefits the whole body, and an active and stimulated mind retards aging. Studies indicate that clergy scientists and teachers all live longer. What can one expect from adopting the principles of an Adventist lifestyle? From the Adventist health studies, we've learned that a non-smoker, non-drinker, who is relatively thin, exercises moderately, and emphasizes fruits and vegetables in their diet, may expect to live an extra 10 to 12 productive years of life. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we were all experiencing these benefits? Fortunately, the Bible's principles for good health are available to everyone. The Word of God promises rich blessings of physical, mental, and spiritual health to all who heed its instruction. In the book of Proverbs, we read, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them, and health to all their flesh. Proverbs 4, 20-22. So you can see, health is largely a matter of lifestyle, and lifestyle is a choice. And the choice is yours. So, Rick, I was trying to add up all the years I could live as you were going through that. I think I was up to about 130 if I do all the things you suggested. My great-grandfather lived to be 99. My grandfather lived to be, what, 96, 97? My dad is 90. And so um, we'll see. Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the king of angels. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Sing choirs of angels, sing in exultation. Oh, sing all ye citizens of heaven above. Glory to God, oh, glory in the highest. 
Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. Yea, Lord, we greet Thee, born this happy morning. Jesus, to Thee be all glory given. Jesus, the Father, now in flesh appearing. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Christ the Lord. Okay, I want to say a special welcome to everybody tonight. I'm really humbled and excited that so many of you came out tonight to hear my story. Thanks so much for coming. I'm going to ask, as I alluded to a minute ago, that if you save all your questions until the end, I'd be real glad to answer them then, but I'm not really an expert public speaker yet, maybe one of these days. And so I'm liable to lose my train of thought if I stop to answer questions along the way. And I... I will have to tell you that I went to Wisconsin Academy, as a lot of you know where it is. I was on the honor roll four years there, sometimes 4.0. One semester of speech, I got a D. So that was the only D I got the whole time. So this is really a new thing for me. I'm always up in front with Bless the Maker. And, but I always have everybody there with me. We're all singing together. So this is a new experience for me. But I'm really excited to share my story, and I hope that that all of you will get a blessing from it. I know my story has actually been a blessing for me, and I've, my family and I have witnessed miracles through it. So, let's get started. It started about a year before, well, in October of 2016 is when I had the diagnosis, but about a year before that, I really hadn't been feeling that well. And in September of 2016, which was just a month before the diagnosis, I went to urgent care. I just was having some symptoms of what I thought was just a bladder infection, and it just didn't seem to go away. And so I was diagnosed with pyelonephritis, which is a urinary tract infection that commonly begins in your bladder and moves upstream to one or more of your kidneys. And I was given antibiotics for about seven days, and after I finished those, I still wasn't feeling right. I just felt nauseated. I felt bloated. I thought, this isn't right. Something is going on here. So I went back to urgent care, and I really do not frequent those places very often. I thought, this is just, I'm just not right. And I had labs and scans and ultrasounds, and they did find a large mass on my ovary. It really didn't worry me too much then because in the past I had had cysts on my ovaries before. I had them removed, and they were like, all this tissue that was hair and teeth and stuff like that, so I wasn't really too worried about it. But after the surgery, which was a total abdominal hysterectomy, took everything out, 
and sending tissues to several different labs, they confirmed a diagnosis of peritoneal cancer, and that was in October of 2016. So what is cancer? Before my diagnosis and during the first part of it, I asked myself that, what is cancer? And what's the first word that came to my mind? It was death. This is a death sentence. You're going to die. And I thought, well, maybe not. You know, I just, I wasn't ready to die. And I thought, I'm going to um, try to figure something out to do. But to me, it meant death. My mother had died of cancer. And I thought, I don't want to have that happen to me. So what actually is cancer, though, the, the, the regular meaning for it is when old cells don't die, they just keep growing in your body, in your bloodstream, on your skin, as a sheath over your lungs, or whatever. And it's, it's usually called a tumor if it's a big mass, which mine was a tumor. And the causes of cancer, I know that Rick went through some of this in, in his thing that keeps you from getting cancer is by being healthy. And I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I just want a basic knowledge of, of these sorts of things. Some of the causes are things in your environment, suppression of the immune system, stress, chronic inflammation, your lifestyle, your diet, and the choices you make every day influence this. They can increase or decrease your odds of getting cancer, your lifestyle, where you live, if you're healthy or not. And sometimes even healthy people seem to get cancer. It's just something that's out there. And as you'll see later in this presentation, choices you make after a cancer diagnosis, whether you use traditional or natural health treatments, can impact your fight with cancer. Okay, so mine was peritoneal cancer, and I don't know if any of you know what that is. It's really rare, and the peritoneum is a layer of tissue that covers your whole abdominal area. It covers the, the uterus, the bladder, the rectum, everything inside your abdomen, and helps your organs move smoothly there. And since that's where it starts anyway, and it can spread to other areas, of course, it's called primary peritoneal cancer. The prognosis is not real good, as you can see. And there's no really proven treatment for this type of cancer. It's usually treated with chemotherapy that is used for ovarian cancer, and it's not always very effective. I couldn't find any statistics that really showed that it was all that helpful. And the cells that I had, which came back in the diagnosis, were the spiral aggressive type. And that's not a good thing. So it was, it was very rare and deadly basic terminal cancer. Some of the common treatments for cancer that you've heard about are, of course, surgery, radiation, chemotherapy. And I know if you have any of those, your doctor makes every possible effort to structure your initial treatment so that it will destroy the cancer, but while minimizing your future cancer risks and also any side effects. And while radiation and chemotherapy are used to try to cure your disease, Sometimes they trigger cellular changes that make you more vulnerable to secondary cancers. Okay, back to my story now. I told you about cancer, it's common treatments in a nutshell. And now we'll get back to 
my story. After the surgery, I came back to the hospital room, and my family was there. Terry was beside my bed, and he said, you have cancer. And I thought, oh, interesting. I didn't know if it would be cancer or not, and I didn't really care. I had had a lot of medication before surgery, during surgery, and afterwards, and I thought, you know, I don't even care if I have cancer. It's not a big deal. What is, you know? The surgeon came in and said, oh, she's doing great from the surgery. You know, we'll talk about other things later. But for right now, why don't we send your family home and she'll be fine. Well, thankfully, my family didn't listen. A few hours after being back in my hospital room, I stopped breathing. My heart stopped. My family alerted the hospital staff right away. I was so thankful they were still there. The code team was great, and that's why I'm here today. The diagnosis was a narcotic overdose. I was given more pain medication than my body could handle. Can you imagine what would be tougher on anybody, your spouse, or your wife, in this case, when Terry was there? My kids were there. Angela was pregnant with Ezra. And you just learned your mom has cancer, and now her heart stopped. She's not breathing. The code team is in. You know how they all come rushing down the, the hallway in the hospital and waiting outside the room. Well, like I said, the code team was great. I came back, too, and um, spent the night in ICU and... Actually, I went home on Wednesday. This was on Monday night. I went home on Wednesday already. But I felt the Lord was watching over me then. That was, I feel that was a miracle. And so that actually helped me in my decision of what to do to treat the cancer. I thought I must have been kept alive for a reason. To, to have this diagnosis and then come through the code. And um, being a nurse, of course, I woke up from the code, it kind of came to a little bit. And I was wide awake then. It wasn't like when I had come out of surgery. I was like, oh, there's been a code. I couldn't really say anything yet. I coded my family's in the hall, I'm sure, because I know the whole routine. I hope somebody goes and tells them right away that I'm okay, because I, you know, it's, it's a scary thing. I've never been on that side of it, though, as my family has, but I know it was not a real fun time for any of them. In fact, soon after I got home, Kelly was with me. I was afraid, kind of like, well, what if this happens again, you know, because I knew I still had a lot of drugs in my body. And Angela heard the, the sirens go off from her house, and she calls up Kelly, is mom okay? Is mom okay? <laughs> Thinking that, oh, something terrible has happened again. But actually, I recovered from the surgery very well and quickly. So... It was decision time. The stakes are high when you fight cancer. You literally have to make life or death decisions. Should you follow the doctor's orders and try chemotherapy or radiation? I know the surgeon had told me that if it was cancer, you will be starting chemo in two weeks. And I thought, as Terry will tell you, if you tell me something like that, you will be doing this, probably I won't be. <laughs> And I thought, okay, I didn't say anything. I don't really like to argue with people. And I thought, I'm just going to recover. I'm going to research. I'm going to do some things. And so I thought, should I put my faith in God and try natural healing options? Um, a lot of you knew my mother. She'd actually died of cancer. She was diagnosed with 
uh, bronchoalveolar carcinoma. It's kind of a sheath that covers the whole lungs and bronchial tubes here, so she couldn't breathe. It was just a sheath over her lungs. And she lived 10 years after her diagnosis, which was unheard of. They had no chemotherapy or anything that would help her. And that was 25 years ago, and I thought, oh, if I knew what I know now, when she was diagnosed, I think she would have lived a lot longer. She did a lot of natural things, too. So that kind of got me started thinking that there were other things that, that I could do besides have the chemotherapy. It really is a personal fight, and it's only you, the person, only me. I was the only one that could really decide what I wanted to do. Uh, the choice was always mine. Nobody tried to tell me this, you know, of course, the surgeon said to start chemo in two weeks. But no matter what anybody tells you, it's your life that is at stake, not theirs. Yes, they would miss you if you weren't around, and not that you really want to die, but it's really your choice. And I'll tell you the decision I made and what I did. I'm living, breathing proof that it worked for me. I can't promise that what I chose to do would work for you, but it might, and you might have nothing to lose. And I, I'm going to be saying this throughout, too, that it's all a choice. I'm not saying don't ever have chemotherapy. I'm just saying it just didn't feel right for me. I know it's helped a lot of people, and I, the choice is yours. That's the basic part that I want to make sure that you understand. I'm not telling you do exactly what I did. It may not work for you, but it may. So... Okay, so in, and I started the research and figured out that, and a lot of you may know some of this already, but this is just some other basic information. Tumors are a symptom of something that's not right in your body. The cause and not just the symptom have to be treated. For instance, if a flower in your hair is causing an allergic reaction, should you take an allergy medication? Or should you instead find a different flower that you aren't allergic to? Do you get how that kind of correlates with that? The go-to traditional cancer modalities like chemo and radiation can be dangerous, and even your oncologist will tell you that. But actually, living is dangerous, isn't it? <laughs> you, you know, your furnace can blow up in your house, too. So, you know, you think, well, I'll stay home. I'm not going anywhere. But a lot of things can happen. But if you make choices of what you think you should do for your body, that's the best way to go. Sometimes the traditional therapies can leave your body a wasteland that can't even defend itself from the common cold, much less cancer. And this was one of the things that kind of helped me in my decision, too. It was almost, well, by the end of October, and then by the time I got out of the hospital, Thanksgiving and Christmas were coming up, and as Terry said, we had all these grandkids. I didn't want to have to spend that time away from them. Besides, my birthday happens to be on Christmas, and it's always kind of a special time for our family. And so I thought, I just don't want to have to be wearing a mask. Maybe the kids will get colds, and I just didn't want to have to deal with that. But on the other hand, alternative therapies, even if they fail, will not add to the problem or kill you. Alternative therapies use the power of God's creation to fight cancer. Along with my research, of course, I did a lot of studying in the Bible, and I'm going to go over a few of the verses that really were helpful to me to give me courage and the willpower to make the decisions that I needed to make. 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. 
that tells me that he thinks we can make decisions with his help, of course, that he gives us a sound mind. Uh, the second text was Psalms 118.17. It says, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. The next one was Proverbs 23.7. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Our mind and body connection is so strong. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10.13. God will not tempt you beyond that which you are able to endure without making a way of escape. I have heard that text before, but all I heard was God will not tempt you beyond that which you are able to endure the next part is without making a way of escape I didn't even realize that was in there until I read one of these books that I have up here that you can all look at later if you want to but I I thought wow that's really great okay so one of the the big things that I found in my research was you must boost your immune system the immune system protects your body against illness and infection caused by bacteria, viruses, fungi, or parasites. Sometimes the traditional treatments can weaken the immune system, which is understandable. They have to do that to get rid of the tumor cells that are in your body. But they also sometimes hamper your ability to fight cancer naturally. The natural killer cells are white blood cells found in our lymphatic system. These cells are uniquely designed to hunt cancerous cells and destroy them. When it comes to the immune system, these cells are our first and best defense against cancer. Healthy, natural killer cells are absolutely vital in your body's battle with cancer. Fighting cancer is not easy as you've been looking at this. I love that picture that goes with this because it really is tough, very tough. And over the next few slides, I'm going to throw a lot of information at you of the nuts and bolts of how I fought cancer and still fight it every day. At the risk of pointing out the obvious, fighting cancer is not easy, but remember, you are literally fighting for your life. You can do it. You can do it for yourself. You can do it for your family and your God and for sharing with, with other people your experience. One of the first things that I did was nutrition. I started my new lifestyle with what we call the grape cure. I don't know if anybody has ever heard of that. I ate only grapes, raisins, and organic pure Concord grape juice, which you can get at Walmart. It's all organic for three and a half weeks. Grapes are the only food that dissolves toxins, eliminates them, and then rebuilds your system. Three and a half weeks, you might think that's a long time to do just grapes. But remember that I had just had major abdominal surgery, I just had my chest pounded <laughs> from the, the code. And you know how, I don't know how many of you have had abdominal surgery, but you know that first sneeze is really a killer? So I came up on the first sneeze. I held my stomach tight as I could. You know, it hurt my chest from the compressions that they had all done during the code. And I thought, oh, this isn't fair. I got two places to worry about, but I made it through. I went back to the grapes. Um, Right after surgery, you're still not feeling quite up to par. You don't feel like doing a lot of stuff. You don't really want to go to town and buy groceries. It was the easiest thing ever. No menus, no dishes, no cleanup, just no planning your meal, nothing. You just go get grapes and eat them. And um, Marcia said to me, actually, a lot of my family did it. Terry did it for almost the whole three and a half weeks. And Marcia and Wendy and Merlin, and I think some of the other guys did some of it. 
Uh, Marcia said she didn't make it the whole three and a half weeks, and she said, that's my oldest sister. Some of you probably know her. Um, she says, how could you do that? Just eat the grapes. And I said, well, I had two choices. Back to choices again. The coffin or the grapes. That was a very easy decision. <laughs> you know, it was, it was okay. I did, for those of you that are probably wondering, so did that harm your body doing that? Weren't you scared? Or, and I actually felt really good. I never felt stuffed. Lost a pound or maybe two pounds a day. It was fun going to the scale. And I had lab at the end of that. All my electrolytes, everything was really normal. So I was excited about that. Of course, then I had to start eating regular food again. You can't stay on the grape diet forever, no matter how easy it is. So a totally vegan diet, sugar-free, except maybe small amounts of maple syrup or honey, mostly wheat-free, 80% raw when using only olive oil and coconut oil. No preservatives and organic if possible. And I figured out that the raw part, you can gain weight on a vegan diet, sugar-free, all that. You can gain weight if it's mostly cooked food. If it's mostly raw, you probably will not gain weight. And sometimes people have to add a little more cooked to their diet if their bodies are the type that just can't handle as much raw. I also talked to Yuchi Pines, and I think some of you are familiar with Yuchi Pines. And it's in Alabama. And Dr. Sandoval is who I talked to there. I knew My mother had actually gone there for the 17-day in-house session with them. They do lots of stuff, hydrotherapy and all the teach you how to cook or eat, you know, the plants. And I talked to him on the phone. I thought, oh, it's $5,000 to go there for 17 days. Do I want to do that, be away from my family all this time? If I need to, I will. But what about if I try some of these things at home? So I had a phone consultation, which is nice for anybody that's interested. You can make a phone appointment for a consultation over the phone. They'll charge you for every 15 minutes of time, and it's not expensive either. So he gave me some ideas for a protocol that I could put together. And so I used different tea. Chaparral, potiarco, red clover, graviola, and sweet wormwood teas. Just take a teaspoon of each of those, put them in the infuser with a cup of water for each, each kind of tea for each teaspoon, and just brew it. Let it steep for at least 10 minutes. Sometimes you let it go for a couple of hours. And um, after a while, the five cups got to be too much because it was five cups of tea. I thought, oh, this is too much of just the tea. I'm getting too full. So you just do three cups of water to five cups of tea. It's pretty strong and not that great at tasting. So I learned you can put peppermint with it, peppermint tea. And I also added spearmint tea just lately because I still do those teas. Add spearmint, and that really flavors it up nice. It's almost like chewing a piece of gum. It's, it's good. And hemp and all oil, I use that super strength, 10 drops in a teaspoon of olive oil daily, put it under my tongue for 45 seconds. That's pretty vile stuff too. But I've read a lot of research on that. It works supposed to work, so I tried the things that I thought I could do and follow through with. I took supplements of vitamin B12, C, and D, and a probiotic every day. Some apple cider vinegar, took some of that aloe vera, two tablespoons daily. So that was mainly what I did for the nutrition part of it. And some of these next things I did, Rick touched on a little bit, and I think you all are very familiar with them. Exercise, water, and rest. 
for exercise. They have that mini trampoline. In 20 minutes, I worked out. Remember, I'm just getting out of surgery here again. I didn't want to do too much, tear everything loose, and have to go back and have some things fixed. So I just started with like 10 minutes, just barely walking on the, on the rebounder. And then I worked up into like towards spring, I could walk two to three miles and, or run outside. And we live, we have quite a few acres where we live. And out back of our house, there's a nice place for paths. And our grandson is not here today, but um, he keeps it mowed for me. He mowed a trail for me all back around in there that was like two miles. And so that was really a nice place to go. It was just quiet, just being out in nature. And I had read somewhere that if you go barefoot on the grass, it really makes you feel grounded and you feel great. And I thought, that sounds kind of weird. I don't know if I'd want to do that. But I tried it. I got so I could run the whole two miles right on the grass. And wow, does that ever give you a good feeling? It was just, you do feel grounded. And then Angela told me a, a quick story about if you... In the wintertime, when you can't really get down to the ground and get your bare feet in the grass, just go up and hug a horse. You'll feel grounded. And it is true, because they are touching the ground. You can come up to them. She has this huge horse there that I just love. His head is about as big as half my body. He's so big. And he loves to snuggle. In the middle of winter, his face is warm. You just put your face up there. I thought, well, no wonder that felt so good. I didn't know all that then, but now I know what it was. <laughs> Also, you can do biking, swimming, snow shoveling if you live in Wisconsin, putting up hay, um, push mowing. And I also had been doing weightlifting for about 20 years now, probably a little more, for 30 to 60 minutes twice a week. I continued that. I have a great trainer in Wisconsin Rapids, and I just started out with very lightweight workouts, but he was real good to work with me, and I'm pretty much back to, well, actually, I'm past what I was before the surgery now. And with the water, we all know we need to drink a lot of water. But how do you know if you're drinking enough water? The standard thing is, oh, drink eight, eight-ounce glasses of water every day. Well, what does that tell you? We're all different sizes, and our bodies work differently. So just drink enough so that you have a slight color to your urine and keeps your bowels moving regularly. Or if you're kind of OCD, which I am sometimes, drink a half ounce of water per pound of body weight a day. So you can keep track of it that way, too, and that should be enough, depending on your weight. Also, get enough rest. We all know we need to get rest. Sometimes, actually, a lot of times, we don't do that nowadays. We're so busy. Oh, i got to do all this before I go to bed. But I'm really convinced that the sleep is really a big thing. That's when your body rebuilds itself. You really have to have enough sleep. Take naps if you need to. Try to sleep 8 to 10 hours if possible at night. Uh, make sure where you sleep is dark and quiet and you don't have the screens flashing just before you go to bed. That'll kind of keep you awake. And listen to your body. When you get tired, and I hadn't heard this before, but in one of the sites that I'll tell you about at the end, this girl, Chris Carr, I don't know if anybody's familiar with her, but she said, use your cancer card if you have to. Because now it's like, oh, she's feeling great now. You know, I'm afraid people are going to look at me and think, well, what does she need a nap for? What is she taking time off for? Why does she have to go to bed so early? Why can't we eat late, 7 or 8 o'clock at night? Because I don't do those kind of things anymore. I can't sleep if I eat too late at night, and that's just me. But um, so sometimes I have to say, you know, I'm the one that had cancer. I'm choosing not to do this. Okay. 
And you all know about these, sunshine and fresh air, but I found out how important they really are. Lots of sunshine, lots of fresh air. If you're too weak to go outside, just sit in a chair. Just sit there for a while. Let the sun on you. Let the breeze go by your face. Just try that. And if you live in a cloudy area and don't see much sun, get a light therapy lamp. Those are very helpful. I know some people don't do well on a lot of cloudy days, and they have those anyway, whether they're battling a disease or not. Get outside as much as you can. Keep your windows open throughout the day, especially in your bedroom for sleeping. I like my windows open at night, and I've actually done this for years and years. My nose is so cold, I actually have to just kind of cover it up, and Terry's putting on layer after layer of clothes. <laughs> and I say, no, i got to have the fresh air. I just have to have it. And I can't have the crank-out windows, and I can't shut them totally tight in the winter because they might freeze shut, and then I couldn't get it open again. So I have to have it open even at 20 below. <laughs> I like the cold air. <laughs> and, of course, it's always avoiding the toxins in the air. And it's surprising, probably your home is the most toxic place around, and you spend the most time there. So just make sure you do all of your, you know, turn off your Wi-Fi at night, all those things just going in your body. It's still toxins that are out there. And at your work, try to avoid some of those things. I know they've done some studies in schools now with children, and I think Our Lady in Wausau that we've been seeing lately told us that it makes a different in, difference in the kids' behaviors. If you're in a big school, you have all these kids in the classroom with all this Wi-Fi stuff coming at them, they really have a hard time focusing. And I'm sure it's doing that to us as adults. We probably just control it better. And after a while, our bodies get like, oh, this is too much. Okay, the heat treatments was a big part of my home therapy healing program. And I got this idea from Uchi Pines, Dr. Sandoval there. And my mother had actually done a lot of these, so I knew about them too. I just didn't know enough about them at that point. So about 60 days after surgery, I started my hydrotherapy baths, which was five baths a week for three weeks, then one week off, and repeat the cycle for six months. Which was a lot. <laughs> so... Um, Terry tried to help me with that at the beginning. <laughs> that didn't work very well. He said, I don't know if I can do this. If I have to, I will, but can you figure something else out? <laughs> and I said, well, let's see what we could come up with. Because five nights a week, three weeks out of the month for six months, that's a lot of baths. And a lot of time, somebody has to sit there. The whole process takes about three hours. And I'll tell you the rest of the process. So we figured out, though, we had five granddaughters living very close, close to us. So can you guys all stand up? My hydrotherapy bath team, they're all here tonight. You guys like doing it? Or do you wish you didn't have to do it anymore? Huh? <laughs> so if anybody needs any help with any hydrotherapy baths, we have a whole team here that know exactly how to do it. Even Frances, she started, I think, when she was just barely six. I always made sure Terry was in the house when she was there. You can sit down. And um, just so she would have a, an older adult there. But all the, all the kids knew exactly what to do. Okay, if I pass out, what do you do? Hold your head above water, let the water out, and yell for Poppy, as they call Terry. <laughs> or they had the phone right there if he wasn't at the house, so they could call 911 or whatever. I said, keep my head out of the water. Don't let me drown, please. So, and so they could always go over it with them, too, when I was in the tub. But 
they kept me busy. Sometimes I would have a really hard time, and I'd say, guys, guys, come on, you got to do something. I'm having a hard time here. And they would just be up there, you'll make it, you'll make it. Just think of all those bad cells that are dying, and they're, they're coming out of you. And, you know, they always had something good. Sometimes if two of them would come at one time, they would sing songs for me, and Francis, or I think maybe it was Sylvia was studying the capitals of all the states, which I hadn't gone over in a long time, so she did that. Frances would do her reading for me. She'd read out of catalogs when she was first starting to read, and I'd say, okay, what is that one about? And she'd tell me, what is the price? And she'd tell me. So they all were, and still, they feel bad because now my labs were good after the first six months. I, um, I only do one week of hydrotherapy baths a month. So I have three weeks off and one week on. And they're always like, can I do the first one? Can I do the first one? So I always have plenty of helpers. The bath consists of 20 minutes in the tub while my temperature is at 102 to 103. Now, at Uchi Pines, I know they suggest 102 to 104, but I wasn't comfortable without a certified hydrotherapist there. And this is really important. Don't You know those things you always see, those those um, scary things on TV and stuff. Don't try this at home, you know. So don't try it at home by yourself because it really could be dangerous. Always have somebody with you. So while your temperature is that hot, it takes about 20 minutes for me to get my temperature up to 102. And then it was 20 minutes in the tub at 102 to 103. The, my body temperature. Right, right, my body temperature. Yeah. The, the water temperature is actually... 108 to 109, no hotter than 110. And I can tell you for sure, never go past 110. I think I did a couple of times, and I burned myself like three times, which was not fun, especially if it was the first night of the week of baths. How do you get back in the tub when you've got burn marks on your body? Figured it out. All these things, see, that, you know, I have to do this. i got to figure it out, right? I want to live. Epsom salts with some essential oils. Totally tolerable the next night with the burns. Because this is a hot bath, you know. It's and then after you do the bath, do the 20 minutes at 102, do a one-hour sweat in bed. Well, that one I had to figure out, too, because they say, well, pile the blankets on, you know, put a plastic mattress pad or whatever, then put your blankets on and see if you can keep sweating that way right after you get out of the tub. I thought, you know what, I can't stand all these covers on me. It's just too much. So I did get an a amethyst biomat that heats up. It heats up the stones. It's supposed to be healing in itself. It's an infrared. So I set that at 158. I'm sure it doesn't get me that hot, but that's what you set it at. And so I put that on for my hour sweat now with a light blanket. With a light blanket, I'm still so hot. My glasses steam up. I can hardly read while I'm doing that. The water is running off my arms. And I'm like, yes, just think of all the toxins getting out of me. <laughs> right, guys? <laughs> it's all going away. And um, just re a reminder again, never try that alone. It's, they stay with me all during the sweat, too. Sometimes your blood pressure will go down. I had a, a blood pressure cuff. Um, just make sure you take care of yourself because you want to live. You don't want to die of some crazy circumstances while you're trying to heal yourself from cancer. That just, that wouldn't do. Also, 30 minutes in an infrared sauna at 140 degrees daily for 30 days. I did that shortly after surgery. 
and then three times a week, which I still do now. Angela and I do that three times a week at her house. So it's kind of a nice time. We always say it's tough being in there, but when we get out, we say, oh, we've got to go back to the real world now. <laughs> Face everything. So, Okay, quiet time. And I noticed that the presentation that Rick gave earlier touched a little bit on this. But shortly after my surgery, which was in October, must have been like just right in November, Merlin, my brother, who is an MD, went to Boston for his continuing education. And some of the topics were on women's cancer and things like that. And what he heard there was, your mind is 50% of healing, your mind-body connection, 50%. So this isn't from anybody that we've known, Ellen White, anybody. This is from out there, scientific, proven evidence that they base these seminars on out in the medical community that the mind-body connection is so strong. We all have to reduce stress. Meditation, you can call it meditation or quiet time. Sometimes meditation, people think, oh, you want to do that. They came from the Middle East, and those people are crazy. They just open up their minds so the devil can come in. Well, meditation is basically what you make it. You can just have some quiet time by yourself, read your Bible, study, pray, do music, read, just have positive thoughts, all those things are all part of that quiet time that helps you kind of rejuvenate and get rid of all the stresses from the day. I also started a gratitude journal. I just write every night before I go to bed in it, but you can write several times a day or whatever you'd feel like doing. Keep positive thoughts and have a desire to live for something meaningful. Have a purpose and feel like you accomplish something every day. That's a big thing. You can't get up and, oh, what am I going to do today? You have to feel like you're worth something, that you have a purpose. And this is a really big one I found in a lot of books that I, I never thought of before. You have to think about more than just not wanting to die. You can't just keep telling yourself, I don't want to die. You have to tell yourself, I want to live. I want to see that baby Ezra born. And then the next one came along after that. I want to see my grandkids grow up. I, I just want to, I want to live. I want to run the how you hustle in the, the camp meeting thing. You know, I, I want to be able to do that. And I was able to do that. Just keep a balance in everything in your life. Don't overdo anything. Eating, resting. I mean, too much rest is not good for you either. Socializing, exercising. You know, everybody thinks, oh, exercise? Well, don't do too much of that either. And a big one, it's okay to have a breakdown every now and then that really reduces stress. You see the little picture up there? That's kind of how I felt sometimes. <laughs> Think, oh, no. But really, it does reduce stress. So it's not, you know, it's a tough thing, but sometimes you do have to allow yourself to be upset about things. You know, look, I'm doing all these things, and I, I think it's working, but I don't know for sure yet. But just that the mind and body connection are 50% of healing, so just remember that part. A support system is a must. And you can see this includes just, just about everybody you come in contact with. Anyone you communicate with can offer you a shoulder to cry on or someone who helps you keep on track. Anyone who brings you joy and peace. Anybody that brings negative vibes to you, you know, just say, look, I think I'd rather not spend any time with you. You, you know, you could be nice about it, but don't let other people drag you down. You're trying to keep yourself up. You have your family. You have 
lots of things to live for. Don't let people that have negative attitudes bring you down. And I was very thankful. None of my family said, you better do what the surgeon tells you to do, otherwise you're going to die. Nobody told me that. I know that that happens to a lot of people that have cancer. They're not allowed to really figure out what they want to do for themselves, and I feel really bad for those people. You have to decide yourself and have your family and everybody support you in that decision. It is your decision. And a lot of people, though, don't realize that they have choices. You can make whatever choices. You can go through chemotherapy and then do a whole natural program afterwards. It's totally up to you. I chose not to go that way, and I'm still glad that I chose the way I chose. But I still know at any time, the cancer could come back. There's probably still some little cells just floating around in there saying, if she doesn't do all these things she's supposed to do, I'm going to come back, you know. And um, so just, you know, if you're supporting somebody that has cancer, you can make suggestions to them, but let them make the decision. It's their body. They're the ones that have the cancer. They have to deal with it every day. And I know the whole family does too, but when it's right in your body, it's, it's kind of different than just knowing somebody that has it. These are just some of the labs that I did. And I, some people that go the natural way, uh, the alternative therapies and natural things, they have a whole team. They have a holistic physician. They have a nutritionist. They have just all sorts of a whole support team. I didn't have any of that. I had my family. My brother is a physician. My family is very supportive of all my choices and help me follow through or to give me suggestions. And Dr. Sandoval at UT Pines also gave me these suggestions. So about every 90 days, I had the CRP and ESR and that's a C-reactive protein and erythrocyte sed rate. And those will tell you the level of inflammation in your body. The lowest mine had ever been was after those six months of three weeks of hydrotherapy baths. I can tell you that. I, mine are a little higher than that now, but not to any level where that I'm worried about anything. But that was the very lowest ever. All my skin tags disappeared after that. On my neck, they just started falling off. Lots of things happen, so I know hydrotherapy is really good for you, and it helps your inflammation levels. Also, you need to have liver enzymes checked, your uh, CBC, which is just your totally, total blood count, and your kidney function. You don't want any of your organs starting to fail you. So you just kind of keep tabs on those, which I did, like I said, every 90 days. Every six months, I'd have, like, uh, vitamin B12 and vitamin D checked. Vitamin D, they're finding out, is very important to keep that up higher than even what they say the normal level should be or at the high level of normal to help your body fight cancer. After one year, I had a CT scan and it showed no sign of any malignancies or abnormalities. And um, that's been, now it's been two years and since all my lab work is good and I'm feeling good, I have not had another scan but I'm not going to worry myself about it because I don't know what I would do different. Maybe just be a little stricter on everything, but I just listen to my body in case something could come back. And any of us are at risk for any of the diseases. And I'm also really convinced that all these things that I'm telling you, you know, maybe different teas, maybe those wouldn't, but anything that anybody has, diabetes, heart disease, if you've had strokes, just to keep your body healthy, 
just to some degree do some of these things? Because basically what cancer is, you know right now, you have cancer. Okay, if you have diabetes, you could take medications and kind of keep your blood sugar in check, but your disease is still progressing. It's like if you have the tumor removed, a lot of times if you didn't find the cause of the tumor, it could come back again if you don't change your lifestyle and figure out what that was. I have some final thoughts here. Uh, to, defeat, to defeat cancer, you must create a program that detoxifies your body, strengthens your immune system, reduces inflammation, and helps your body heal itself. I truly believe our bodies were made to heal themselves. The immune system is what fights cancer. And to have a fighting chance, you have to maximize your immune system and help it do its job. Medical studies support this idea, and so does common sense. Do whatever it takes to live. Following the plan is hard, but you can do it with your support system cheering you on. Think positive, forgive, and get rid of bitterness. Love yourself. Sometimes that's hard for some of us to do. Just take time for yourself and love yourself. But if you don't love yourself, how is anybody else going to love you? You just have to make sure that, that you take care of yourself. And this is a big one. There is always hope. No matter how bad things get, it is always, always too soon to give up hope. So just always remember that. Sometimes your doctor will tell you you have three months to live. And a lot of people take that to heart and in their mind. And actually, they die right on schedule. You know, because it's in their mind, well, I'm going to die in three months. They don't even think around that to say, well, maybe I'm not going to die in three months. I'm going to do this and this, and I'm going to see what happens then. You know, because otherwise, you will. If you set in your mind that you are going to die. There's a lot of options for natural and holistic healing. No guarantees, but your odds increase if you follow the program you develop 100%. And it's like if somebody tells you, hey, I got a program for you. Why don't you try this? If you didn't come up with it yourself, you're not as likely to follow it. I, I just didn't want anybody. I appreciated suggestions, but I knew if I was going to follow the program, I had to do what I thought I could do. And I'm sure there were more things, a lot of different things that I could have done. And actually, I've not talked to anybody that followed the exact program that I did or seen any interviews online or anything. They all had their own program, and most all of them worked. So you just have to decide for yourself. I have a list of resources, and I brought some of the, the books here that if anybody wants to look at any of them, they can. There's a few recipe books here, and then some other books where I got a lot of information. Some of them have websites, and I'll just kind of tell you a little bit about each one so you'll know what it is. The first one, Life, Cancer, and God by Paula Black. She had breast cancer. She's a minister, and so is her husband. And it just talks about their research of what to do when she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Uh, Chris Beat Cancer, that was the easy one to remember since our son's name is Chris. I always remember that. Uh, by Chris Wark, he was a 26-year-old that had, was diagnosed with colon cancer. And he's been doing nutritional things and, and um, natural healing things now for 15 years, and he's still doing just fine. And he also has the Square One Healing Cancer Coaching Program, which tells you each step of the way what to do. I have copies of those up here. Uh, the Truth About Cancer by Ty Bollinger. He had many of his family members that died, and it, including both his parents died. 
and he set out to spend his, the rest of his life figuring out what caused cancer and how to treat it naturally. So he has a lot of information out there. Another one, Radical Remission by Kelly Turner. And she researched all over the world, and she came up with nine top things that are common in radical remission. So that's really a good one to read. Nine things that all the people did in one way or another that really helped them with their cancer diagnosis. And then, of course, The Grape Cure by Johanna Brandt. She had cancer. Some people say she didn't really, but I don't care. I love the grapes. <laughs> it was easy for me, so I think she, she did, and I think it does help. I think it really cleans out your system. Anyway, the, there's a website, chrisbeatcancer.com. Hallelujah Acres has a website. It's just H-A-C-R-E-S.com. Uchipines.org. ChrisCar.com. DrEricZ.com. I got a lot of information from him about detoxifying your home and using essential oils to make your own products if you choose to do that. And then the Aloe1.com website where I got all my aloe vera from. And a big thank you to everybody again for coming out. And my formal part of the presentation is complete. If you want to ask any questions or look at any of these books, feel free to do that. I think there's some eats in the back. But if you want to come and talk to me, if you want to ask questions now, or if you want to just come up, or if nobody has any questions, that's okay too. So I just, I just want to say real quick, before we end the recording, if there are questions that people have to ask, I'm sure that people who watch the recording later will have some of the same questions, so we'd like to keep the recording going for that. So if you have questions, if you just raise your hand, I'll run the mic to you, and then you can ask that so it'll record well so people on, that listen to the recording can hear, and then um, Carol will answer. While Rick is doing that, I want to add a little color uh, to uh, some of the time when Carol was, let's say, out of the room. Uh, when she um, coded, I was sitting there on her bed, and she just right in front of me died. And I got on the intercom and I said, get down here with your code. My wife is, is uh, coded. She's dead. And they came running in there and they kicked me out. I'm standing here in the hallway with the door shut, wondering what is going on in the room. I know what's going on in there, but when it's your wife, it's, it's totally different. And the door opened up and out came the doctor and he said, I'm sorry to tell you, we've given your wife 63 chest percussions. She's dead. We can't bring her back. And he went back in the room, shut the door. And I'm standing there in the hallway, melting into my shoes. What am I going to do? And just like that, he was back out the door again and standing at me. He said, when I went back in there, one of the nurses in the team had the idea of giving your wife a shot of Narcan. And You'd Narcan think they would have thought of that right away, because I, I remember hearing him say that. We used Narcan, and that finally worked. Nothing else was working. I'm like, why don't you try that right away? Put it first on the list. Well, Narcan reverses the effects of op opioids. Or narcotics, yeah. Narcotics. Yeah, all that. And as soon as they gave her the shot of, of Narcan, she popped right out of it. She came right out of it. So that was obviously what the problem was. But I don't wish that on anybody. Yeah, I, I told him when we got down to ICU, I said, don't ever do that to me again. <laughs> I, I think I okay. aged 10 years right there. <laughs> okay, John, you have a question? Just uh, on the grapes, does it matter what kind they are or any kind of grapes? No, they say the, the ones with the seeds that 
are slimy inside. I can tell you I didn't eat very many of those. I don't care for those much. They're supposed to be the best because those peels are good and everything. But she says in the book, and I actually have a couple copies of that. If you want a copy of that book, I can get you one. Yeah. So it doesn't matter, any kind of grape. So it's nice. If you live some places where they have a lot of different grapes, I didn't know they had um, cotton candy grapes. And I tasted those. They're delicious. They actually taste like cotton candy, and they're just grapes. I was shocked when I saw them. I didn't even know there was such a thing. Did anything that you did raise your white count? No. I mean, like, raise it up to push it higher for a person that has a low white count? Oh, oh, I don't know on that because mine wasn't ever really low. Okay. So I don't know. You'd have to ask a physician on that. If, <laughs> Yeah. I'll answer all the questions I can. Some of them I may not be able to, but any other? Uh, just a quick question on the uh, heat therapy. You said, is this a jacuzzi that you use, a hot tub? And no, we just when we remodeled our house over 20 years ago, we put in a, a fairly large tub. So I can't stretch out in it, but I can lean back pretty far. So I'm pretty much covered up to here with my legs straight. So it was a large tub. And also, we happen to have a, hot, a large hot water heater, like a 50-gallon. A lot of times, you only have 30 gallons. So I didn't have any trouble with the hot water and, and the size of the tub. So the same thing can be used because we have a hot tub outside. I would think so. Now, the hot tub, especially if you have it turned on. I visited my sister in California, and she, we were there with the hot tub turned on, and it was moving around, and I forgot what she said she had it set at. But, whoa, I started feeling, I said, whoa, this is even hotter than my baths. <laughs> and as it's going around, it's really getting you, you know, it's really heating up your body. So, so how long do you stay inside the, the tub? So in the tub, at, with my temperature at 102? Yes. 20 minutes. But it takes about 20 minutes to get your temperature up that far. So the whole tub part is probably like 40 minutes. And then you get out with your handy staff holding a bath blanket for you. None of this putting your pajamas on and a swimming suit for any of this. I know they tell you that at Uchi Pines, but no, that is way too hard. You can cover up or whatever you need to do, but you've got to make it easy on yourself or you won't make it. Okay. You know, forget the modesty if you have to. You know, just, you know, just they wrap me up in that. I go get under my covers and... You know, just make it easy on yourself. Right. So, um, so, Carol, did you do any hot and cold or it was just all heat? No, it was just all heat. And then sweating. Yeah, and then after I did the sweating, though, I did take, like, a cool shower. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. To get your temperature up, do you just keep running hot water in there? Well, I do the frog method. The frog in the boiling pot, have you heard of that? You start him when the water is only like this, and then you keep heating him up, and he'll stay in there and actually cook. So if I started with like this much water in the tub, then I get in, and then keep making it hotter and hotter. I tried making it full, and, and you can't get in there just right, right in when it's at that hot. Yeah, so you have to start it, and then just keep getting it hotter and hotter. By adding more hot water. By adding more, just keep the hot water going. Yeah, and then I do... I found this one thermometer. I had several thermometers that I did not like. I couldn't rely on them. I found one, and I think I just got it at Shopco, but I use the same kind all the time. So I could actually test the water temperature with the same thermometer I use for my mouth. 
And so I keep testing it and making sure. It won't go to 110, it'll just say high. So once you pass 110, you won't know how high it is. So then you're really careful. Yeah, and you, so. when you were showing there, just for people who are listening to the recording and can't see your hands, you, were, oh. you, you said about like four to six inches deep, and then you would yeah. add more hot to get it you up just to keep going. You, you know, you probably couldn't add all hot yet, but just to keep it going hot and keep checking it till it, you can tell that it's at where you need it to be, and then fill, then get it really hot and fill it up the rest of the way. That's probably how I burned myself. At the end, I thought I'm gonna get some really good. I wanted to get my temperature up fast tonight. I'm in a hurry. Doesn't work. <laughs> you burn yourself. So, the one question that I have is: when you're in the water, are you drinking any cool water, or are you not? I am. You are drinking cool water. Mm -hmm. I didn't know if that affected the body temperature, if it brought it down, or if it was just, um, I know well, that Jeff used it, and it kind of kept him from getting too lightheaded. And right, it helps. It actually helps a lot of things. You'd think if you keep drinking the cold water there, that it wouldn't let your temperature get up. I did it with a straw, so it was way back. And then, okay. of course, you do your temperature under your mouth, under your tongue. So um, actually, it's like when you drink cold water, your body wants to heat heated up. Okay. So my temperature almost seemed to go up faster if okay. I drank some okay. early on. But otherwise, I, I usually drank, um, what is that cup that I used by the tub? It's probably 15 to 18 ounces in the tub. And then in the sweat, it's actually a quart jar. I drink that whole thing while I'm doing the sweat thing. Okay. And then I just try to try to do it early. Otherwise, I'm up all night too. So. The other question. <laughs> Um, I noticed that um, you had apple cider vinegar. Uh -huh. How much of that do you drink, and is that a, a daily thing? or? Well, that's a daily thing. I actually found um, Wendy, my sister from California, the first January after the diagnosis and surgery and everything, she had found some, it's in a, oh, yeah, Rick, I have to, can't do like this for everybody. It's, a, <laughs> it's probably a 12-ounce or maybe 16-ounce jar and it's called Kevita, K-E-V-I-T-A. And it, it has different flavors, but it has apple cider vinegar in it. It's a little bit carbonated, though, but it was very tolerable for me, and I don't usually drink carbonated drinks. And there's a couple flavors. One was the, the Meyer lemon. That was really good, and you can even add it to orange juice or something. You don't even know you're doing the apple cider vinegar. I tried the apple cider vinegar by itself, and I, I just couldn't manage How it. How much did you? It's probably two tablespoons. Two tablespoons. Maybe okay. a couple times a day. And I didn't know what that hempanol oil is. What is that? That's, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's just made from the hemp leaf. Okay. It's kind of like marijuana, but all the psycho, psychedelic things are out. <laughs> yeah, there's no THC in it, so I didn't feel really good after I had it or anything, but it's supposed to help your immune system. Okay, so... These are mostly for your immune system, all of these different, like the tea and... What did you say? Again? The tea and different things for, are, are to boost your immune system. Mm -hmm. okay. And a lot of them, if you look them up, they'll say they are to fight cancer. So, and okay. some of them fight, I think one of them fights parasites too, because some people have parasites. And I think in a lot of the research I've been doing, they say that, that people's gut is in the worst shape ever nowadays. Mm -hmm. They're just, it's terrible. They can't absorb the food they're eating. They can't, you know, so you've got to get your gut in good shape, you know, get your immune system going, get things, prebiotics and probiotics and all these things. And I still have a lot of, a lot of studying I need to do. The more I learn, 
the more I know that I have to learn. And so there's always things out there. And this one guy, Chris Wark, that I told you about that was 26 and that was 15 years ago, he does interviews all the time. You can go to his website, see all kinds of people that have had cancer, that have healed it naturally, and he'll tell you all different things that they've done. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. uh, while, we're, while we were on the subject of the baths, I just wanted to ask one more question related to that. Obviously, you were doing it in this case because of cancer, but when, in your research that you were doing to, to learn about that and find out about that, was there benefits of that just for fighting off other types of illness? Yeah, I think it would fight just about anything. Like I said, my skin tags came off. I had some arthritic pain in my fingers. That was gone. It was just, I, age spots were disappearing on my hands. I had black marks all over my hands. Those were gone. So I think it really helps your whole body if you can do them very helpful. On the grapes, you mentioned grape juice. Uh -huh. Is there, can you find a grape juice that doesn't have additives in it? You can, actually right at Walmart, which is really surprising. It's the, I think it's called R.W. Knudsen's, and it's the, it's totally organic, and it's like fresh, fresh pressed. It's not from concentrate. And it, it's right, it, it's actually at Marshfield Walmart. I couldn't find it in Wisconsin Rapids, so it's not everywhere, but it is right here in Marshfield. What was the name of that again? It's R.W. Knudsen. Okay. Let me make sure I have that spelling right, because I think I wrote it down here. And the grapes themselves. You said the grapes with seeds. Yeah, those kind of, I forgot, what are they called? Terry likes them, but I didn't care. Oh yeah, Concord grapes. Those they say are the best. But the, um, where is my Knudsen's? It's R.W. Knudsen, K-N-U-D-S-E-N-S. -E I found it's the cheapest at Walmart. You can't even get it online as cheap as you can get it here. So same stuff. How much? Well, every couple of hours I had grapes or grape juice. Just... So, just have a little different texture, but they, they, they tell you don't have like four pounds. Usually one of those bags of grapes is like a pound. So if you're eating just that all day long, it, you know, just whatever you feel that your body can do, it's kind of up to you and your body. That's all I'm eating. Drinking lots of water, of course, but that's all I'm eating. For that day. For that whole three and a half weeks. Oh, for the whole three and a half weeks. Mm -hmm. Only grape juice. Only grapes. Okay. Yeah. And, and my B12 at the end of that was over 800. So I know it doesn't affect, it helps you with your B12. I don't know what it was before that, but I don't think it was 800. So... So Terry said that in the book the recommendation is about two and a half pounds of grapes a day. I think so. I can't remember the specifics, but it's all here. If anybody wants to come look at the books up here. Were you basically just doing it as you felt hungry or felt, it, felt yeah. the need for nourishment? Like, oh, yeah, I guess have some grapes. Or if you go to town, take some grapes with you. Yeah. Um, I want to ask, uh, you know, when something like this happens to you, like you said a little bit earlier, that um, things change your thoughts um, throughout. I mean, up to that point, was your thoughts always, if 
you know, I guess you're not even thinking about that, but probably from your mother, what she went through, that all of a sudden this brought you through your process that, yes, I'm going to do this, or is it uh, this? Because, you know, when, the can when they mentioned the cancer, your, your whole world changes, really. Right. Your, your thought process. So is it, did, uh, I mean, was that just like, immediate decision that you're going to go natural with it or it, it took a couple of days and a little bit of research well, for it? I, I thought all along I would really want to do natural. But I thought, you know what, I have to get all the facts. I don't want to just do the natural stuff without checking out things. So I checked out everything. I checked out chemotherapy to see what the statistics were. And that's another th big thing I learned on statistics. You hear, oh, this survival rate or this survival rate that actually tells me nothing because what is that person's lifestyle like that they did the studies on? Absolutely. How do I know what they did? And some people will do natural things. They'll do maybe one or two things but not really change enough things to make a difference in their life. And they'll say, well, I tried that and it didn't work. You yeah. have to design a whole program and follow it 100%. So don't design a program that you don't think you can follow. There's no point in that. Just do something that you know you can do. Yeah. Through that research, uh, they were talking some more about the tub again, because that's what I was wondering if you had a different type of tub when Carl asked that, asked that also. No, but just a home tub. You can do it. My mother did hers just at home in a small tub. Did you see anything like uh, a, uh, you said you had a, a, a radiant uh, sauna? Infrared. Infrared sauna? Yeah, Angela has one of those at her house. Mm -hmm. and that's where it's just dry heat in the sauna. It's not moist. I never could breathe in a sauna with it. It has all moist in my face. Yeah. Although I haven't, I'm finding out things, like I said, all the time. So Angela and I have been going up to Wausau to this lady. It's called an acupuncture and pain clinic, I think. But they have a lot of ozone. Mm -hmm. And that's really good because cancer does not survive with a lot of oxygen. Right. They, you know, so you try to get as much oxygen in all the cells as you can. And they have this ozone, moist sauna, but your head is out. I love it. Right. Oh, it was just wonderful. But I don't want to drive up to Wausau and pay money to do that all the time when I can do that. It would do, I think, the same things as the bath, except it has the added ozone. Right. It's very good. Okay. Uh, that's all I have, I think. Okay. Thank you, though. You did a great job. Well, thanks for coming. I'm, <laughs> like I said, I'm not really a public speaker, but I'm just trying to get information out. You do have choices. That's the big thing. Erin, did you have a question? Um, so your motivation obviously was like you had said when you heard the word cancer it was like a death sentence to you and that's pretty powerful and like you said if unless you actually have cancer um, no one can really say they know what you're going through um, but for those of us who are not going through what you went through but are trying to prevent what you went through because like I, I agree with you I think we all have cancer cells it's just a matter of how strong our immune systems are and whether or not they can fight them off. So what advice do you have to people who don't have cancer but want to have that determination and that motivation? Because I think it's no different than, you know, changing, you know, okay, I want to make sure I read in the Bible every day or I want to make sure that I eat this way every day. It's, it's being determined and being self-disciplined, and I think a lot of us struggle with that. So... What advice do you have for those who 
Well, I think that's that's really tough because I I actually did a lot of healthy things before the cancer diagnosis. I exercised a lot. I was pretty much vegan. My stress level was through the ceiling, though. So, um, and I didn't really realize how bad it was. And I realize now that I had a lot more anxiety than I ever realized, too, before the cancer diagnosis. I still do sometimes. I'm always pretty even what everybody sees. But deep inside, it's like, oh, you know, I, I, the stress is really there, and it's really bothering me. And I hadn't been able to do anything about that, but with the cancer diagnosis, I think it's almost easier. So I'm happier about my body now. I'm happier about my lifestyle now. I'm happy that I can share my story with people and hopefully help them. But to get the motivation to do that if you don't have cancer, but that's like just your body, you will feel better. I could, and I didn't, I actually through the whole thing before the surgery and then during the grape diet, I lost like 40 pounds. And the feeling to just be able to cut your toenails easier, you wouldn't even think that. It was so much easier. I thought, whoa, this cancer, I'm not happy I had it really. But my life is so much better now than it was then. So for me, it was easier. But it would be harder if you don't have a life and death situation threatening you like right now. But there's diseases out there. Everybody knows somebody that has some disease. They may be taking medications for. And that's one thing, too. Don't try... A lot of these things, if you are taking medications for different things, because some of the teas and some of those things will lower your blood pressure, or they might do things, so you need to really check with your doctor and, and do that. But you just have to have the determination that I'm going to live to be, you know, Terry was talking about his grandfather's lived so long. Well, my grandmother's lived, one of them was 97, and the other, I think, was like 94. And so... After the cancer diagnosis, I was saying, I'm going to live that long. And also, my siblings and, and my kids, too, I say, you know, you guys, you better start getting a little healthier. I don't want to be the only one living to be, like, in my 90s, and all you guys are dead, and I'm still going. That's not going to be fun either. So come on. Let's buck up. Let's Come on. Everybody get healthier. Is there a target date? when you stop the program, or do you have to do this program for the rest of your life? Well, I think I want to do it the rest of my life. I like it. And <clears> I know that threat is always out there. I'm sure it will get harder as I go along. I think, well, you haven't had cancer in this long. It's probably not going to come back. But I do want to keep myself healthy. I want that little threat there all the time. It helps me to stay committed and determined that, you know, this is how I'm, how I'm living now. And some people will have food, or they'll be in front of me, they'll say, oh, that's right, you can't eat that. And I said, yes, I can. I choose not to, but I could eat it. I could eat anything I want to. I can have any kind of lifestyle I want to. I'm choosing to do this, and I'm choosing to do this for the rest of my life. How does that affect other people in your family who have to eat with you every day? Well, you find, I don't think Terry suffers too much, do you? No, everybody eats what, pretty much what I do when we're all together. And if they eat something, I, I know right after Lily's birthday, I think it was, I served up her ice cream cake to her. I didn't even lick off my fingers. I was really proud of myself, too. I thought, nope, I'm not eating any of that. I'll dish up her cake for her. But, you know, so they still ate stuff, but I was able to not eat it. So uh, we started this all about two years ago. And as Carol was saying, she lost close to 40 pounds. And I lost about 30 pounds. 
And uh, neither one of us has put any of that weight back on. And it's not difficult, uh, having changed a lot of the things we do and what we eat and um, what we do on routinely has become a habit. And we monitor our weight. And if, if, we, if I've put on a pound or two because I've been on a, a business trip or something and get out of my routine, I come home and it's gone within just three or four days. I'm back to that weight again. Because the lifestyle we've adapted now maintains that weight and that health. Uh, the, the boosting of our immune system that she was talking about with the hempanol, uh, as, as we well, pointed no, out no. a couple of times t uh, tonight. The whole program is made to boost your immune system. That's right. So it all does that, yeah. We have all these wonderful little grandkids who love to hug us and kiss us and with their little snotty noses and colds. <laughs> um, neither one of us has caught a cold two years, not even a sniffle in two years. So it, it really does boost your immune system to the point where I had a business meeting with a guy I had just met last week. He came out to my office here in Marshfield, and he had a cold. And I said, Ron, do you never want to have a cold again? Use this stuff. You know, so I tell anybody uh, who wants to listen about hemp and all, they ought to start giving me 10% of the profit. Well, it's, I think. it's more than just the hemp and all, though, oh, we're finding out, but yeah. But there's lots of interesting things you can figure out how to make. The kids, like, every Monday night we get together at the farm and have a meal. And it's always vegan because I'm usually the one that makes the meal. They call it corn soup. I call it corn. It's corn chowder. You can make that totally vegan. And it's so delicious that, I don't know, we had that last Monday. All the kids just had bowl after bowl of it. They loved it so much. So they, they eat like I do, but they don't always do that. They have some other things, too. So I wanted to touch on a point uh, based on the question that David asked in, in part of your response, because um, he was asking, you know, how long do you plan to maintain this? Now, there was, there was a difference between what you did initially versus right. your kind of main maintenance, the, the, the way that the you're doing it now. So kind of what's the, the big difference was there? the hydrotherapy cutting down on that. Yeah. And actually, you know, you can go to McDonald's and have the French fries. You don't really want to have them, but they're vegan. They're sugar-free, right? <laughs> so if you do need a treat once in a while, just go have a couple French fries if you really feel that you're, you know, if that's what you, or, you know, just something that you wouldn't usually eat because there's a lot of things out there that are vegan and sugar-free and wheat-free and the whole bit. Carol, can you tell them what you've kind of taught me, which is that um, you kind of have the philosophy, kind of like what you were explaining earlier, that uh, it's not that you can't have certain things, you just choose not to, which you touched base on that earlier, but you, you consciously think about how is this going to be positive for my body. Oh, yeah. Before, when you're looking at your food to eat, look at it and think. <clears throat> and this kind of goes with that, that quiet time stuff and taking care of yourself. Think about the food in front of you. What is this going to do for me? Is this going to keep me healthy? Or is this going to tear down my immune system? You know, just think about your food. When you're watering your plants, it's, it's like the same thing. Do you just rush through your house and water them quick? Or do you look at each one, take the dead leaves off? You know, just take some time and think about what you're eating, what you're doing, how you're spending your time, what you're too busy for that you really would like to do. Just... Think about all those things. A lot of those things I think we've all figured out in our lives of the kids and everything that really you need to make time for the things that really matter. 
Stop wearing the word busy like a badge. You know, everybody, oh, I'm too busy for that. I'm too busy for this. Really, why are you so busy? Why, you know, you make your schedule. Nobody else sets your schedule. You set your schedule. Take care of yourself. That's what God wants us to do. So let's take care of ourselves. Uh, I just wanted to say that there are recipes online on how to make like a vegan ice cream at home with like almond milk or oat milk or something like that. So if you really wanted a treat, you could always look up those recipes. There's, right. There's all kinds of things, recipes you can find that are just absolutely delicious. And I was a big ice cream eater, my whole family, <laughs> big ice cream eat, eater. And um, shortly after the surgery, that I had ice cream in my freezer downstairs, and one of the kids left the freezer door open, and it all melted, all these bars and stuff. And when I was cleaning it up, I thought, I'm really glad I don't eat ice cream anymore. The stringy stuff from the thawing of it, oh, my goodness. <laughs> they all love the, the vegan ice cream, right? They like it when I just put bananas through the champion juicer, and it comes out like soft-serve ice cream, you know? <laughs> Frozen bananas. I have a question. Then, are you saying that you are sugar-free and wheat-free, or mostly wheat-free? I do eat a little wheat, but only organic. And the sugar-free, I never eat sugar, but I do use some stevia, and then some maple syrup and some honey. And I don't really miss the sugar at all. That's why, if you ever see me at potluck, I'm kind of looking at stuff and think that looks good, but I don't know, I think that might have some sugar and I usually stick with just the plain stuff that I can kind of tell what's in there. Or I'll take a tiny little spoonful so I can taste it. Any other questions or sure. <laughs> Thank you all for coming. And remember, if you want to look at any of these books, these are just great resources. You can look at them. And if a couple of people would like to take a copy of the, the Grape Cure book home, I have several up here. I just get them on Amazon, and they're used, but very inexpensive. So be glad to share those. Well, thank you very much, Carol. I, I um, think I speak for everybody saying we really appreciate you sharing your story with us. Ezra's <laughs> applauding up here. Um, <laughs> the feedback if I don't get away from the speaker here. Um, but I just wanted to say thank you to everybody for coming out again to reiterate what Carol said. And um, we'll have a prayer here. I think we're going to be serving um, some, some dinner uh, right after this. So I'll, I'll ask for the blessing on the food. And then you guys can, at your leisure, come up and visit with Carol or take a look at her resources up here. And I, I think the ladies will, will probably help us get set up back there so we can, can serve dinner. So just bow your heads with me, please. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the gift of life for each of us. And thank you so much for the amazing way that you have made everything in our world. Nature, the things around us, the, the food, that, the ingredients for the food that we eat, the, the food that we are able to eat, vegetables and fruits and all the different things that we can use to make food. And we just ask that you would bless this message that has been given tonight, that you would help um, people realize they do have choices in their life about how they eat, how they live, how they choose to exercise what they choose to take on and that you would bless um, the message that's gone out that you would help people to look at look at and prioritize their lives 
And uh, as we go out to eat, we ask that you would bless the food that we're about to partake in, that you would bless it and bless the hands that prepared it for us. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.